Have you ever wondered what it takes to be a great boss? Well, you're not alone, and I'm here to help you find the answers. I'm Talmar Anderson, and welcome to Rock Your Bossitude. On this podcast, we will be diving headfirst into the people side of business, because I firmly believe that's where the magic happens. Each episode will feature candid interviews with fellow bosses who have gone from small business owners to thriving CEOs. Plus, I'll share actionable training to help you rock your own journey. Whether it's your first hire or you simply want to enhance your own boss skills, Rock Your Bossitude can act as your trusted compass. So are you ready to rock your bossitude? Yeah, you are. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rock Your Bossitude, conversations with business owners turned CEOs. And we've got an excellent one for you today. My friend Brad Herda is on the show. Brad, how the heck are you? I am fantastic today, Talmar. It is a beautiful day up here in Wisconsin. It is a bright, sunny fall day right now mm. that will turn to rain shortly. So fall is here and it's all <laughs> and good. the rain part. It's not snow yet, so go with it, man. Go with it. No, no. That snow's okay. Yeah, We're yeah. okay with I, snow. I, I, like I, live, I live here. It's what I expect, right? <laughs> in Wisconsin, you, you have to be okay with snow. You live where you live and you don't like it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I live, yeah, yeah. That would be bad to live somewhere you don't like. That's not my problem. Here right. in Southeast Georgia, we have the river, the ocean, and it is a balmy 78 degrees today. So, yeah, not a bad yeah. life. Not close. Yeah. We're, we're okay. I'm not bragging, but I am. Brad, let me tell people about you. We're having too much fun. Sure. Do you mind if I go over your bio real fast? You can do whatever you'd like. It's your show. I love it. Okay, so Brad is the founder and owner of Vision Forward Business Solution. And Brad uses his advanced skills of communication, accountability, and leadership to enable his clients to create the future that will allow them more time with family, develop their next generation of leaders, and have a high-value business. By defining how you want to work in the future, looking at what is already working, and identifying new ways to improve your life and business, Brad uses context to put the pieces of the puzzle together to see how you can take a chance at creating your own new future. I love it. Take the power back. That's what I hear. Pretty much. Make the decision. Yeah, make, make the decision. Get off. Is it, are you, are you labeled? Oh yeah, yeah, no, we're in a fully system. adult show. Yes, please. Okay. Yeah, get off your ass and make the decision. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. ultimately what we try. We strive with our clients is to focus on decision-making. And um, the area that we're going to talk to today is one of the most important decisions uh, business owners and leaders have to make today. And it is a changing world. My friend. Yes. And you know, it's not on your bio, but I would love for you to do a shout out. Would you please do a little information about your podcast as well? Because we talk on similar veins. So our podcast is called the Blue Collar BS Podcast, uh, where we talk about uh, blue collar business solutions, aka BS, business solutions, (laughs) with with my co-host Steve, aka Brad and Steve. Um, And talk about that multi-generational workforce. And, and yeah. the differences between generations and what's different today versus what it was when the boomers weren't, you know, coming up. And, and at the yeah. end of the day, the only thing different is where you are in the pecking order as yeah. to what your opinion is mm. towards it when you, when you break it down. Um, 
but technology has changed a ton to make work different and yeah and, and succession planning different correct right yeah Very that's different. the big thing um and we could do a whole show on that and we probably will so stay tuned today we're yeah. going to talk about our bossitude and boss experiences but i sense a follow-up for you and i brad just talking about the actual workforce and and how people plan on succession and promotion and hiring because that's such a big piece for bosses out there it's a huge piece that's not thought about because it's it just happens it'll take care of itself yeah, yeah it always does right innovation yeah, it's, all, it's worked it's worked for three generations why won't it work for four hmm. yeah. you're lucky you got it. the three good luck congratulations yeah. Seriously, a third generation business, that is, you know, it's almost a unicorn. Fourth is definitely a unicorn, right? Okay. Well, again, we get so excited, Brad and I have so much in common and we're here to and excited to share with you all, all of our ideas, but I need to talk to you about you and your experiences, Brad. Absolutely. I'm going to start. I love that. Let's start with who was the best boss you ever had? So when I saw the pre-show questions, I'm like, wow, Um, I've been blessed to have um, only really two bad bosses in my entire span of my working career from when I started when I was in the fifth grade to today. Wow. Um, so I've been very, very blessed. So when you ask who my favorite best or best boss was, um, it would be okay if I gave the characteristics versus the one individual. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't need to call out anybody in particular because you know, I was going to drill down to the characteristic anyway. So go for it. Get to the chase. I love it. So so it's a blend of all the things, right? They allowed me to make mistakes. They Mm -hmm. held me to a standard and expectation of professionalism and, or whatever the culture was for the organization at that time. Um, they, uh, allowed me to bring forward ideas to try something different. They allowed me to, um, think differently than the rest of the organization and not comply. Uh, Mm. context is one of my superpowers. I've been told numerous times in my career, Hey, how did you see the future? Well, if you pay attention, it's not that hard, right? If you just pay attention to all the things around you, trend analysis cycles, Right. And and just put the pieces together and say, oh, Bob over there doesn't want to do this. And you're asking me to do that. And this, yeah, this is going to fail. So how do I help facilitate not to fail? I pay attention to what's going on. And they allowed me to use my superpowers and talents yes. in my roles, in my leadership journey, in my things. They allowed me the opportunity to um, get into budgets, learn things that weren't in my own lane. So I was able to gather a much, a very broad career yeah. that allowed me to go deep at the same time, not like the subject matter expert, super deep in everything in one topic, but they allowed me to get into shit that I didn't, that's yeah. not your job. Well, go yeah. learn, go figure it out, go have those opportunities. And we talk about succession planning. That's how you create the opportunity for somebody to know something because you let them go off the rails once in a while. A hundred percent. And so were you predominantly getting these experiences in small business over large corporations? So, uh, started out in working in a grade school, cleaning over the summer mm-hmm. as a fifth, fifth grade, right? Boom. Yeah. Running equipment, you know, waxing floors, running big equipment. You learn things that way, how not to mm-hmm. hurt yourself. Yeah, um, how not to start a fire. <laughs> yep. Uh, worked in a grocery store through, uh, high school, then went and sold auto parts over the counter. So regional sales, bi- re- regional business, um, yeah. then went to a, uh, Ford shop 
that was here and in Texas. So getting a little bit larger, then went to Bucyrus International, which was then ultimately acquired by Caterpillar. So went through yeah, all large. of those, <laughs> went, went all the way through all of those things from yeah. working for the janitor to the $10 billion organization that Caterpillar was at the time they acquired Bucyrus. So yeah, um, that's and just that that opportunity to try things as opposed to um, staying in your lane is I find more available in small business than large business. But to your point, it depends directly on the boss above them, right? It, different right. management styles are confident enough to, and not threatened. So they're like, yeah, if you can figure this out, run with it. Please do that, right? Um, so I was just curious about that and I appreciate the follow-up on that. So, so let's turn instead now to your business. Mm-hmm. When, as a business owner, did you decide to make your first hire? Um, I did or not that so much with, when, I guess why is what I meant to say. Uh, Let me so it was the time versus energy aspect and technology yeah. change. Did I want to learn, um, like for our podcast, it was the first hire was to go take out all the production work. Yeah. I didn't want, I didn't want to, I didn't want to learn a new technology as things changed in the, in this world and different thing. Like I had a, I don't have the time anymore and B, I don't want to learn it. So yeah, hire it out. Let's, yeah. let's go figure it out and um, understand what my expectations were. You know, I yeah. self-perform. So being many bosses, they self-perform before they try to hire out. So yes, I knew, yes. I knew the expectation. I knew what I was looking for, for output. If it was better, great. But I knew I didn't want any worse. I didn't want yeah. anything to happen. This is the minimum quality standard. Right. We, we um, came to agreement as to what that looked like and what the cadence was and put them in position for success as we have a bunch of stuff there and set up all the communication profiles and different things. Um, we don't communicate the same way, which was a struggle at first. It was like, Hey, mm-hmm. you, know, you, they want to be on Slack. I'm like, I'm never going to go check Slack. Yeah, I don't need, I, I don't need another thing at my desktop to be able to say, Hey, this is what's going on. Yeah. If you need something, send me an email or send, call my phone. That's yeah. a boom. That's, a, that's an older Gen X boomer thing, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So that's part of that understanding where you're in, in the person we've hired as a millennial. And it's like, okay, different behaviors, different things, different opportunities. Mm-hmm. And we had to get through all of that. And to date, uh, our show seeing continued growth and success. And it's because they're doing things differently than I was. So we're allowing them to do things that in their lane to do in their lane and here you go you're the expert handle it yeah right i know enough to ask you the right questions um but i'm not the expert to know everything of all the details a hundred percent and and that communication styling is something that we are continually at boss actions we are continually reminding people you need to get to know yourself as a boss. What do you want to do? How do you want to be communicated with? And then you have to learn how to set that expectation out there to let people choose. Look, you know, if this was a vendor that you hired or an independent contractor and they're like, no, no, we only deal with Slack, then well, then this is not a good engagement for either one of you. And that's okay. Right. So right. it was through the, you knowing yourself as a boss and then also being willing to communicate that and saying, look, if, you really want to communicate with me. This is what I need. And them saying, okay, yes, we can communicate in that style. So, so not, uh, I think that's one of the missteps that people make when they first hire, they forget to think about like, when do they want communication? Do they want it sitting there when they start their day or do they want to end up the day and have time to review everything? Knowing how, 
a boss as you like to work is is a big part of hiring the right team. And right. I think that that's where so many people are like, oh, I hired this person and it was just horrible, right? So, so I had a client. He was a guy right in the business every day doing things. He'd go home, take care of his family, do his thing. But from like 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. was his, I can't sleep. So we'd go in and fire off emails. 100%. So the, empl- so the employees' inboxes were just slammed when they walked in the door. And I'm yeah. like, what are you doing? Yeah. And everybody's pissed at him all the time. Walks in and everybody's just completely pissed off every morning when they come in because they know they saw it on their phone, notification, notification, notification before they even got out of the house. And they're dreading coming in because they already know they got to work. I'm like, dude, there's a schedule button on there. Yeah. Right at 10 Don't stress them out. Schedule it to send at 7.30. Schedule it to send at 7.26. I, I don't care, but don't send it at 2.30 in the morning. Um, just yeah. because that's where your zone of genius is doesn't mean that's where there is. And you can get rid of that stress. It doesn't mean you have to stop. Yeah. You need to adapt. And, yes. Uh, yeah. He adapted and that stress finally went away. And there was like, oh, how did you get him? Like, oh, you're not sending emails anymore? No, I'm sending them. Don't worry about it. You're just getting them in a different <laughs> It's way. happening when I need it to happen, right? Well, right. And, that, and that's the other thing is, you know, as a boss, giving the uh, employees permission to say, look, you have permission to not look at your emails, not respond. I'm not expecting you to, right? That communication and that expectation. But I think what happens sometimes is a boss will send it off at 2.30 in the morning and then they come in at 10 o'clock in the morning and they're like, what do you mean you haven't moved on it? Well, the other person might've just started at 10, right? Like you're, you know, make sure that you're monitoring the expectation on the response time to when they will start to see it and then start to move on those, those items. And I, I think that's the, um, they're like, it's the beginning of the day. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. Why haven't you moved on it? Well, my schedule is 10 to six. So that's why I just got here. I haven't read anything yet. Uh, Correct. So I love that. And, and I love the, setting the that expectation tool. of return as well, right? Hey, mm-hmm. um, sending, and he would do it all the time. Here's this quick, high D behavioral style individual. Just send it out quick with no, okay, expectations to get it done. And everybody's like, well, I, it's the most important thing on my plate today because he sent it to me at 2.30 in the morning. No, it's not. Yeah. He, Seems like he an could emergency. Live, he could live with it on Friday if he sent it on Monday. But everybody's yeah. thinking, I got to get back to him right away. I'm like, dude, just put in, hey, get it to me by Friday. By yeah, close can I have it Friday by noon? Yeah. Take the extra time to put the line on there to say what the expectation for completion is. Um, I had to learn that through my leadership journey big time when I have my staff of 12 in the purchasing group and different things and all my outsourcing and to set the expectation. And that was a difficult thing to to overcome because I was four miles ahead of where everybody else was because they didn't have yeah. the, all the story. And communicating and bringing them along the path is, yes. is vastly important along the way. And um, yes, a lot of my leaders that I had, those bosses I had, some of them didn't do that very well, but I would yeah. ask them enough questions that I could see maybe my teammates at the time going, like, huh, oh, thank I, gosh, somebody's asking I don't know that, what's going yeah. on. So I'd ask the question to get the clarifying information. So that other person that might've been really wishy-washy or worried about something, we got the clarification to know, okay, cool. perfect. Right. So, um, again, leaders allowing me to question them and support them and do something different is uh, again, very blessed. Right. And that, and that, and it makes such a big difference because of all the things and I'm certain that you spend a lot of time with this as you work with leaders, we work with them all the time to help them complete that thought. To your point, I loved when you said, 
I'm already four steps ahead by the time I'm having this conversation with my team. And so I have to take the time, you know, um, maybe the email would normally say, we need to get more clarity. And they're like, clarity on what? What are we? <laughs> what? Right. Tell me more, please. Right. And so, you know, I challenge them to really be as articulate. And to your point, and one of my pet peeves is to include a time frame. you know, you know, I'd like more clarity on how this process is going to fit into our calendar when we already have so many projects. What is your expectation of how that's going to work? Could you give me an outline by noon on Friday? And then here's the other piece to throw in there is, please let me know if this is a conflict or you won't be able to make that deadline. Because can we just admit that we're hiring grownups that are supposed to understand their capacity? And I think small business owners forget to bring that piece in there. Where are you at with your projects? If I say Friday at noon, are you going to be able to make that? Or do have I just overloaded your, your calendar and you need to communicate back with me? Um, I so, feel like you don't quite agree yeah, with that. Yeah, I have some thoughts there when you said, hey, we, we're all adults here and we're doing this and we should know what our capacity is. Um, I think that's some generational bias. Okay. That's there from some leadership okay. perspective opportunity, right? Because if okay. I have a 22-year-old, 23-year-old that's coming in, they don't know yet. Well, so, you, to be fair, yes. In my world, that's part of your training process is that you're going to continually be checking and teaching them how to look at where they're at okay. and understand where their capacity is on a regular basis. I think all small business owners and all small business bosses must constantly be checking that because of the rapid growth that comes along that right. will sink a business quickly. The conversation about where they're at and their their understanding of capacity is a required conversation piece for for the people, but it's an excellent point that and, you know and understanding a 22 year old's not going to understand that. And their capacity is not going to be the same as you who did the job for 15 100%. years prior and, and right, being yeah. able to let go of that to know that, Hey, um, you, and let's just be honest, many business owners and CEOs at a lot of organizations came up and were doing all the things and they were the unicorn that did yeah. all the things. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, well, how come I can't find the unicorn to do all the same it's things that real. I was doing? Because ask, actually you have five roles that you were taking care of. You did two really well. The other three yep. you did half-ass, and it was okay where the business level was at the time, but now it's not, and you're still trying to find somebody to fill all five roles. We really need at least two people, maybe three people to replace yourself. Yeah, pull off. Yeah. And, and, and that realization is very difficult for many owners to go through because like, oh, shit, I got to add all that expense and all that overhead. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or make yeah. the decision that- your business is, it's a stepped approach that we need to do this in phases at some point. Yeah. Which, which is often how most things are peeled off the boss CEO role, right? Little right. at a time, let's pull this off. Okay. Now we can get rid of the marketing. Now we can get rid of this and now we can get rid of the sales and so on. So let me ask you as a boss yourself, what's, what do you wish you had known before you started down the road of hiring or managing people? Um, for me, it was the biggest change that I had as I was going through my career was getting the training and knowledge and understanding communication and behaviors. Okay, going through, yeah. going through behavioral training, going through um, DISC or Myers Briggs or whatever, and being able to know that my normal behavior pisses some people off. <laughs> 
with, without any intention whatsoever. It's just yeah. a natural grind. Like you walked huh. in the room. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, that's very interesting. Didn't realize that. And yeah. Um, had I known that sooner rather than later. And unfortunately we don't put that into the education system. We don't bring it up nope. early enough in the high schools or, or, you know, trade schools or any place like that. And it's a difficult journey for, you know, too often we take the best welder, the best salesperson, the best whatever, and make them the people leader and they suck at people. It's a different skill completely. And they might be able to have the capacity to deal with people, but we've never given them the chance. So we just put yeah. them in the role to fail and then we fire them and we're like, oh, what just happened? And you I believe that's the, called the Peter principle. And, and you, you change the course the of your you fail. business forever, right? Instead yeah. of th- those those simple decisions change the course of a business. They're, they're histor- historic and monumental for many small businesses. And too often they're not looked at in that fashion. And they're just yeah. looked at as a, oh, it's just, it's, We'll make it's like Doritos. We'll make more. Mm, yeah, yeah. Not, oh, this person really. couldn't hack it when it's really that we didn't give them the right training or have conversations Correct. with them about the expectation of the new role and really under, help them understand that. Look, I understand that ninety five percent of your job as a you know as a welder was out there welding. Well, now we're going to shift that to maybe forty percent of your job will be welding or troubleshooting welding. But 60% is going to be in front of your team, thinking about your team, planning for your team, and here's how and what that looks like. And I, it's just, and I, and I think that the truth of the matter is that the, the small business owner, it just doesn't, they're not knowledgeable themselves and they don't know because they're like, I've never had a manager of welders before. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how much time it's going right. to take. And so they have a hard time trying to, to, you know, communicate that and, we're all left to just hire and go, well, that didn't work out. Let me try again. And, and to your point, we're losing good people along the way. So, so yeah, it's, I totally of, can relate to that. Go ahead. Yeah. One of the best, uh, aside from just that behavioral stuff and communication, one of the best pieces of training I received was on situational leadership, going through the mm-hmm. four quadrants of, of learning and the four quadrants of leadership and knowing when you need to be very micromanaging and, and understanding and setting those expectations along the way. Right gave me a very clear picture of, of those things and allows you to recognize those situations from an employee's perspective. Where are they at on that journey? And where are you at on that journey with them on a one-on-one basis? Because ultimately it's human to human connection is what we're doing here. And too often we look at it as a business transaction and it's not. Um, I'm I'm very blessed that I have uh, created relationships when leading people that I may not have talked to in 10 or 15 years, but if I see them tomorrow, it'd be like nothing ever changed over yeah. that period of time. Um, Love that. I respected what they did. I, I supported them. I did what they needed to do. Understood that um, their success was their success. Their failure was on me. Yeah. That's the truth of it, right? That's, that's and the reality. Knowing that, when they failed is because I didn't do something. I didn't give them the right resources. I didn't share the right information. I didn't give them enough training. I didn't do whatever it was mm-hmm. and not throw them under the bus when, Hey, this project went awry. Oh, okay. Well, no, that was Johnny's fault. No, it was my fault because I didn't yeah. put Johnny in the right spot. Yeah. 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 It is. And it's, and, and it, you know, the unfortunate piece is that so many business owners think 
that there's no one out there to help them, that they don't understand that literally that's what business coaches and consultants are for. We can get those answers faster for them, but they just, they really believe that, oh no, this is, you have to wear it like a badge of honor. Oh yeah. I had somebody quit by text today. And I had like, they feel like they have to go through the experiences that there's no way to actually learn how to step into the management role, how to step into the boss role, how to step into hiring for your own team. And, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's our mission to be out there and just let people know there are answers. If you, if you're looking for them, we've got them, right? Whether it's listening to our podcasts or finding people like us, but there's so many opportunities to learn these skills. There's really not a good reason to suffer through them and wear them as badge of honor anymore. It's, it's slowing your business growth and it's slowing your joy factor in running your business. There's faster, easier ways to do this and enjoy the people side of that business, right? So, Yes. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to turn this around for Talmar. This is not for in the just script. A moment. This is I'm not happy in to answer the question. Yes. This is not in this at all. I can so handle. does boss actions and Talmar, are you guys a, a higher, slow, fire, fast methodology or thought process? Or what is your take on, on your hiring and firing mentality? Well, it's funny because right now you can't hire too slowly because the good ones get snatched up. <laughs> yeah. But to, to your point, um, if, a boss is in tune with what they need and the people they're hiring that, you know, it is still a people. You know what business. I should say? It, it, it's when a boss is in tune, not an if Talmar. Let's be well, honest. I would tell you some people are not in tune. So it is <laughs> ideally, but we, we all know bosses that are, yeah, would rather hit their head against a wall than try to get help. And those people are not going to be in tune. They're going to just keep, you know, doing, blaming everybody else. I'm high. These people, I can't find good people. It's all the people, 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 you know what I'm saying? Right. That's yeah. yeah. I hate that state. That's just, I know. I, right. I, it's not true. They're out there. You are not centered enough to understand the, what the right person looks like. And you don't know how to attract them and you don't know how to vet them in a way that's purposeful. Now I will tell you because I, I align so strongly with small business. I really truly do believe that we have to, if we have a good process, Hire thoroughly, not slowly. We have Fair to enough. collect the right data, right? Thoroughly, but that could be quickly, right? I can yeah. I can work a hiring process in two weeks if I can get to everybody I need to get to. But um, but the truth of the matter is not just hire thoroughly. It is about staying in tune in the training so that you can respond. But if you if someone's a mismatch, ninety percent of the time it's the kind of th- like small business can't retrain patience in a person, right? If we, if we needed a patient person in a role and as a, right. as a hiring manager in my company, cause that's what a boss is. If I hired the wrong person and I forgot to ask them, Hey, how do you do when you have to sit on a call for 20 minutes waiting for somebody to get back with you? And that's a primary part. Well, shame on me. I did not vet thoroughly enough. So that that's not going to be something I, as a business owner, have time to train. I believe in training. I do not believe in teaching somebody the job because small business will never have the opportunity to get large enough to use resources for training and for internal promotion. Initially, we must hire for what we need right now. And they, and you have to be tuned in enough and training them enough to know within 60 days, whether this person is going to work or not. It is a great endeavor to invest in people after we hit our first 5 million in revenue. But right now we have to invest our money to get big enough to have 
training and teaching courses and mentorship programs and internship programs. That does not stop people from having to be great managers and bosses internally. It just means we have to be more clear on hiring the right people that get us to that mark faster so then we can create these community initiatives that allow us to really expand and get in there and build succession planning from within. I just, I have a hard time telling somebody who's making less than $2 million that they should be teaching someone how to do a job. I know. I know. Completely agree. So I didn't hear any passion at all there, Talmar, whatsoever. <laughs> that was Lots just so, say, you're just... that was just so monotone and just so it's like, Wow. <laughs> I know. I, I know. Sorry about that. We reversed the no. table. I apologize to your listening audience. <laughs> no, they love it. They they all know that I'm loud and I have opinions on everything. And I, as do you, my friend. So I appreciate the lob to let me go on to my to my um, idea. Do you have a differing opinion anywhere down the way? What What is your so thought I, on it? I guess I have a question for you: Is why is that? Why do you believe the two million dollar revenue mark is the right? It's a, it's a, it is a, it is different for everyone. And I actually think it's closer to 5 million to be fair, because it's very expensive, very expensive to take a person in your company and create a training program and have them uh, head up that training program that is taking somebody from an entry or mid level and really moving them up the ladder. And so that's, it it takes a, a dedicated person. It can't be somebody who's a CEO running a business and, oh yeah, trying to wedge in little right. times of commitment to train them to be a thorough and, and really give them the opportunities for growth that, that it will be successful. That, that's my perspective. Now you can, okay. as you grow the business, if you're the CEO and you want to be the trainer, that's fabulous. But that means that we have to have all of the other business needs taken care of before we can create the space of taking 40 to 60% of your time on mentoring and training and developing people. I still think it's a worthy thing. And I think that as you start to scale that organization and you pull those pieces off the CEO, absolutely you should be involved in the training and the development and the mentorship and the succession planning. How much depends on what you're willing to let go of. Right. If you're not right. not willing to let go of a lot of pieces, you're not going to have a lot of time. So we, now we need another resource, which is another person who ideally is great at training and great at communications and great at helping people get to those milestones. That's a different role. And I tell business owners all the time, if you are not being paid to develop somebody's career, if that's not your business model, then understand you're using two resources. You're paying someone to learn their job and any job. And you're taking yourself out of your business to try to teach someone a a company role that they may or may not get to. And those are two resources a small business owner can't afford to invest at this time. We're not at these markers. When we get closer to two and five million, there's pockets that we can start to pull out. And it's really important. I say down to two because labor forces in certain areas, you know, you know this better than most because of the blue collar perspective, they absolutely don't have they just don't have anybody out there and they have to, like we, we have to do recruiting efforts and we have to do advertising and we have to, you know, sparkle and dance to get them to even look and think about working with this or this career path. And that is a major overhaul. And I'm finding that some of my clients we're developing schools. That's the best way, right? You know, and I don't, I'd be shocked if you don't have at least one client that is not creating a secondary business that's about teaching and training an industry that is 
just depleted on anyone who has knowledge, skill-based knowledge, and they're taking schools on the side so that they can, one, help the industry, and two, start to create a labor force that they can pull from to get great people. It's getting that desperate for some labor forces. Oh, yeah. There, there's an, part of the issue, at least in the, the blue collar space, is that it's so fragmented. Everybody's yeah. trying to do everything on their own. Everybody's trying to support their own little community to do something, and there's not enough um, mass mm-hmm. and momentum and not enough unification of the message. And where I struggle mm-hmm. is everybody Everybody is going after the, the wage, not the purpose of the belonging and all the other things. Like, oh, you can make oh, debt, that. debt versus wage, debt versus wage. I'm like, mm, this isn't a debt versus wage thing for college or not versus college. It's a what? why do I want to be in this industry? Why do I want to do these things? Yeah. And that's where I think leaders have, have fallen short, particularly on the blue collar side of the world. For two decades, we've told everybody, you suck. You're not good enough. We can't find good people. Yeah. And guess what? When you tell people that for two decades, they turn off. They stop listening. They stop yeah. paying attention to you and your industry. And that's a slow switch to turn back on when the yeah. university machines and the education machine is just so well-oiled and so well-funded and so well thought of Yeah. by public the perception. Societal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, perception yeah. is you you have to go to college in order to have a good job. So my co-host, and this is my co-host a couple of weeks months ago was in a fifth grade class. Yeah. Asked this question to these fifth graders, 35th graders. Do you believe you have to go to college to have a good job? All 30 hands went up. Interesting. In fifth, in fifth grade. Fifth grade. That's not good. So there's this perception of families and things that in order to have a good job, you have to have a college education in order to get the good job. That doesn't mean you can't. So so the part that's really mind boggling is you can have the job and go to school and still get all those things to move forward to find out what it is that you enjoy and what you like. Yeah. Um, I was blessed to give my, both my kids that chance to go work in a machine shop and work in a construction, work in those environments to decide if they like it or not to get them the exposure. Yeah. And once we gave them the exposure, they decide, no, it's not for me. I'm going to go down this path instead. They both work in blue collar type industries, but from yeah. a white collar viewpoint, and they understand all the blue collar activities that go, they understand the making and creating, which is going to make them a better employee to that. those organizations they work for because they 100%. get it and they understand it. And yeah. um, leaders, leaders need to understand that when you're looking through that resume and looking through that great right if that kid's an eagle scout yep but he has no be prepared doesn't have, doesn't have a college experience doesn't have any of those things you know what you should hire him if that yep. kid's been involved in first robotics or some other type of organization like that in high school yep. and different things and he's coming to you at 19 years old or she's coming yeah, at 19 years trouble, old troubleshooting problem solving all the good talk, stuff talk to them now yeah yeah. Right. Because you can put them through school to move them down the career path they want yes. to go. Capture them now because you know what? The Gen Z crowd, they don't like change. They want to make change. Give them a reason to stay. Mm-hmm. Give them a purpose and they will stay. They will be the next 30 year employee. 
and, and yeah, that's, it's, that's a I failure think, to recognize. I think that's possible. I agree. I agree because I think that what we're going to have to do is, so it, to my understanding, my personal experience understanding, I would say that it's been four generations coming that college has been put on this pedestal. So we've got to go backwards now. And this is the first opportunity for the generation to make a shift and say, you know, what about working in trades? What about being a truck driver? What about these things? And and I think that that the 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 youngest generation will start to listen to those possibilities because be, one, I think that society has an issue on isolation and, and there's just yes, you can sit at home and stare at a computer and be by yourself and have your groceries delivered and humans are tribes, so they're gonna start to wander and look for things. But I think it just all started back, you know, I remember my dad telling me a story because he was a computer programmer and this was, you know, generations, uh, uh, you know, really going to school. And he was using cards. His dad was a bricklayer and his dad told him if he ever caught him using his hands to do anything except for go to school and study, he would break them. His dad was so against working uh, physically or working in trades and, you know, maybe life decisions he made, maybe that wasn't his purpose. Right. And that just created, and and I saw that and, and I don't know that he, he was great at what he did, but I don't know that he loved it. And my dad being, and, and so I see these generations and I can see them all coming down where like parents didn't know that they were setting their kids up for this world of go to college and then then try to figure yourself out. That's that's a horrible idea, right? That's like backwards and not the right thing. Figure yourself out, then go to college for the right thing or trade school or go into the military or, you know, start your own business. Love those ideas, right? All great yep. ideas, but definitely something that our society is going to be struggling with. And and so when people are having a hard time hiring, this is this is a big deal, which leads to a question, she says, taking back control of her own show. So tell me, (laughs) so tell me, Brad, when you are having a difficult time with your team, when you're having a difficult time finding somebody, when you're in that boss role and you just don't want to do it, what's the self-talk that you give to yourself to step into that boss role and have the hard conversations, be uncomfortable in the way that you are trying new things, innovation, right? This person that you hired that wanted to communicate differently. What's the self-talk there to keep you going? To initiate the conversation, to go through that barrier of not wanting to do it? Yeah. Um, Ultimately, it is knowing that it's the right thing to do. Uh, if if I don't do it and I can't, if, if my purpose as a leader, which I truly believe my purpose as a leader is to ensure the people that are with me and working with me and working for the organization are able to be the best possible person they can be, right? Love that. Regardless of what it is, you know, that if the organization can't support their growth and they go somewhere else, perfect, right? But yeah. My job as a leader is to ensure that they are able to maximize their potential and, and get to their self-actualization. If they're a five-year stop with me and they go somewhere else and they hit it big, it's part of that journey for good or 100%. bad, right? Um, right. So for me, I got to really reflect on that. That's the purpose. That's the mission. If somebody's having a difficult time doing that and they're not in the right role or not doing the right thing, it's really up to me to identify that, understand why it is. Is it a me problem or a them problem? Mm-hmm. And then address it appropriately. 
And then if it is a me problem, okay, what do I have to do differently to support them? If it's them problem, what do they need to do differently to fit within the organization and move forward? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you just pull it back to, you know, this is why I wanted to do this. I want to help people be the best them they can be. And and that's enough to get you through those uncomfortable moments. I love it. I appreciate right, you sharing that's the that. Purpose. That's, that's the whole point of doing it. And if I'm, if I'm doing it for other reasons, you know, I've had many leaders, some, some leaders and they're in it for themselves and you could see it. And you yeah. didn't ask me who the worst bosses were and we didn't want to go down that path, but the ones that are in it for themselves, for their yeah. next promotion, for their next thing, for the for money in their own pocket. Yeah. Not working for those folks. Yeah. And, and uh, it's obvious, right. You know, you can see, see, you can see that they're just like, you know, you're a cog, let's just keep this machine going. And, and they don't know what to do. And they're not interested in being the better boss, right? The the fortune right. that you and I have is we get to work with the people who are like, look, just give me some guidance. I do want to help these people. I want to give to them. How do I do that in a world that lets us all be successful? And so, so th- there's plenty of good ones out there too, Brad. Don't worry so much about the the guys are a little stuck on themselves. I say guys could be women too. I'm not, I'm not about that. So let me ask you this. This is one of, uh, you know, when we're working with our clients, the interview questions are just like the hottest topic ever. So let me ask, do you have a favorite interview question that maybe you ask everybody you interview or that you'd really like to hit on? Um, I like to ask them, you know, tell me about a time when, pick whatever the, whatever the topic might be based on where they're going or what we're trying to look for. Tell me about a time that you ran a project that went horribly wrong and what'd you do about it? Yeah. Right. And, and my expectation is that they use the star principle to try. I try to get that star principle. Tell me about the situation. Tell me about the task. Tell me about your actions and tell me about your results. And I got to work to draw, draw that out going through the interview versus just tell me what you did. Well, I, I did yeah. these five things and, I handed it over to my boss. Mm, okay. Well, was that, is that, was that good? Was that bad? Well, tell me what, give me more. Right. So I really yeah. work on trying to draw that information out and, and let them get me to a real experience and draw context around from a behavioral perspective versus a task perspective. Cause I'm a firm believer of hiring the right fit. Cause I can teach them all sorts of other things if needed. Yeah. Yeah. And that just that critical thinking is helpful in any kind of a role, right? Somebody that can look backwards, assess, learn from, and communicate all that. That's, you know, going to be an advantage in any team, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. And I try to get them as comfortable as possible. And, you know, um, the amazing part is that the, uh, as people want to say, well, these young kids don't like to talk, um, interviewing younger individuals, they will tell you everything flat mm-hmm. out. And you're like, wow, I, why, why? I don't know. I would have said that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. It's, it's open, very it's direct. Book. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. There's a great book called radical candor. And those people live it every day. Right. It's a really, yeah, I, I, I can relate to that kind of um, forthrightness. We'll call it in their communication stylings. And I like that. Right. I think it's a good thing. So can I ask, uh, right now as a, as a boss of the people that you work with, what do you love about working with your team? What do you love about being their boss? Uh, making sure that they are successful at what they're doing. Yeah. Just, just knowing that they have the ability to do what they want to do. And it's not a matter of me telling them that this is what they need to do. They have that freedom of choice. They have that freedom of ability. They have the ability to decide for themselves. Um, and put them in position that it's not a 
it's not a I don't want it's not a death sentence. They get to decide and yeah, cool. Yeah, hundred percent every day. If they want to move on, fantastic. If they don't, that's fine too. It's yeah. okay. Right. We'll yeah, figure it, it is, out. It is about positioning it as a as a choice for them. And I think that that's the, I think that's one of the best skills a a boss can learn is just presenting, look, this is the option. This is the way that we know will be successful. If you have another option, let's talk it out, but likely, you know, we need you to do this option. It's okay. If this is not for you, just Mm -hmm. let me know if this is your two weeks notice. Right. (laughs) That's, that's a a comment. It's okay. You can sometimes give them permission to say, this is not the right fit. Uh, Some people have a hard time coming to that decision for them, but letting it be on the table for someone that's really struggling and just miserable and doesn't seem to want to be there. It's okay. You can choose to not be here. So I love that choice concept. I, I appreciate you sharing that. So now tell me how do listeners find you, Brad Herda? Um, LinkedIn is usually the best place because I'm there LinkedIn. pretty much all the time. Um, it is also bherda at focalpointcoaching.com. Uh, website is VFB Solutions. So Victor Frank Brad Solutions.com. Like uh, forward business solutions. Vision forward business solutions. Yes. VFBS <laughs> solutions. Love it. Um, dot com. Uh, LinkedIn. Our podcast is found where all podcasts are found this day, these days. Um, although apparently Google podcast has gone out of, out of the podcast world. So no longer on Google supposedly. Oh. So. Huh. Who knew? These are things I'm learning as we speak. I appreciate it. I always learn something. I got a notification. Hey, Google podcast is no longer going to be. I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever. All right. There's plenty of other places and and we're working on all of them. Our audience is on Apple anyhow. So. um, Oh, is that right? Is that that right for your, your, your audience? I love that. My audience anyhow. That's good. Well, we'll see how our audience is going to build up. I'm looking forward to finding out where they're all going to be at. But Brad, thank you so much for sharing and having such a great open conversation with me about being a boss and building teams and succession planning and all the goodness. We definitely could do uh, like eight other shows and probably we'll do a few others in our future. <laughs> if, if you'd be so willing as to come back and interrupt me in my own show, I would love the opportunity to speak with you again. Anytime you want to be asked questions on your own show, just let me know about Delmar. I'd love to be on because there's there's so much synergy of what we're doing um, and what we do together. And, and there's there's so much energy and passion for what is going on that um, yeah. uh, anything you need, we're here to support you. You're the bee's knees. We want to thank you listeners for tuning in and staying all the way to the end. This was a good one. If you liked it, don't forget to share it with your favorite business owner. I want everybody to go out there, keep building those teams, boss on. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. If this episode helped you, be sure to share it with a friend or another business owner that you think would benefit from listening to this podcast. Share this episode and any questions on social media with the hashtag RockYourBossitudePodcast and let us know what you want us to be talking about. Until next time, remember, you've got what it takes to be an amazing boss. Boss on!